Hi, welcome to the Landscape of Cranes Cleveland Podcast. I'm Dan Paletta. Thanks for joining us. Super Bowl is, of course, this Sunday, and while the Browns aren't playing in it, two teams with some ties to Cleveland and the state of Ohio are both in that game. And here to talk to us about that game and what the Browns need to do to get there and some other sports stuff is our own sports reporter, Joe Scalzo. Joe, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Dan. I hate when people, local people try to make these tenuous connections to events that aren't really about Cleveland. But in this case, the Cleveland Rams are now the Los Angeles Rams, having started here and actually won a championship in 1945. And then you have the Bengals, who are founded by the co-founder of the Browns, the great Paul Brown, who was coach here for many years. I think it's easy to see how the Rams got to the Super Bowl this year because they've just played so well over the years. But what about the Bengals? They're like the Cavs, sort of the surprise team of the NFL, aren't they? Yeah, I, would th- I think it's it's been a complete shock, especially since halfway through the season. I think the general consensus was they would be the fourth best team in the AFC North. And now they can end up being the best team in the NFL. So I, I think it's come as a, a surprise. And um, I think it just shows that there's different paths to the Super Bowl and um, kind of some of the conventional wisdom that's out there. You don't always necessarily have to follow that to, uh, uh, to get to where you want to go. So where are some of the places the Bengals are not following conventional wisdom? <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. One of the things um, that they got dinged for back in uh, – Back in April when the NFL draft, everybody said they need to get better out of the offensive line. Joe Burrow was coming off an ACL injury and getting beaten up, you know, all last year. And and uh, they said, okay, we got to get Panay Sewell or Rashawn Slater, one of the big tackles. And they ended up going with Jamar Chase, uh, the wide receiver at LSU, who hadn't even played football the year before. And uh, it ended up being just, you know, the, the shrewdest pick, I think, in the, in the draft last year. He ended up being rookie of the year. And him and Joe Burrow have kind of uh, developed this chemistry that, that or continued, I guess, from when they were at LSU. And, and uh, you know, that's, that's kind of triggered, I think, this run. is just everything else kind of fell into place um, between Joe Mixon and T. Higgins and, and some of their other weapons. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's funny. It's just you, you get hot, and I don't think anybody expected the Bengals to be there. But, um, you know, they're a team that doesn't spend a lot on scouting. There's a team that doesn't spend a lot of money on anything, really. Uh, but here they are, you know, in the biggest game of the year. I would be remiss as an Ohio State homer. I saw a funny tweet after the AFC Championship game. Someone wrote, Eli Apple saved a touchdown before halftime. Sam Hubbard had two sacks. Von Bell picked off Mahomes. And uh, Joe Burrow, who played for the Buckeyes for a year or two, led them uh, down that big drive. So Ohio State won the AFC Championship game. There are a <laughs> lot of Buckeyes on the Bengals. Yeah, and, you know, traditionally they've they've probably been more willing to draft Ohio State players than Ohio than, than the Browns have, and and I'm still kind of upset about uh, the Browns passing on Sam Hubbard. It's one of those things where I'm kind of a draft junkie, and you know I'm one of those guys that's still logged on when it's like the fourth round, and and uh, <laughs> and uh, I forget who the Browns picked. It was somebody for, with defensive end, I think, from the from Miami Hurricanes that ended up just kind of washing out. I can't remember his name, but uh, but yeah, like you said, you know, it, it's um, it, it's it's kind of one of those things where you maybe pick different teams based on how many Buckeyes they had. And uh, you know, certainly Joe Burrow is kind of comes with an asterisk since he, he had right. most of his success at LSU, but um, he's still an Ohio guy. And, and so I think there's a lot to root for from that standpoint. Uh, if you choose to go that way, I know a lot of Browns are going the other direction. A lot of Browns fans where they're bitter <laughs> and resentful <laughs> <laughs> about what's happened. So, well, When we talk about Burrow, one of the things when you watch him play and – it's easy to say from my couch, but he seems to never, ever get flustered. He just, he seems like a cool customer no matter what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, is, is that his key to success in addition to having a good arm? 
Oh yeah. I mean, you know, he, he, he grew up with a coach's son. He played a lot of football in high school. He, you know, Mr. Football winner in Ohio and played, you know, he's just, he's 25 years old. He's, he's kind of seen everything and, and uh, just the leap that he made um, from his first year to second year at LSU, from his first year to second year in Cincinnati, although he was really good, I think, as a rookie. You, like you said, he just he never gets flustered. He never makes the wrong decision. And uh, you know, he's just kind of like – it just feels like he's been on this level for 10 years, even though it's only like his second year. Certainly the comparisons come with – pardon me, with uh, Burrow and uh, the quarterback for the Browns. What mm-hmm. what are the offseason priorities for the Browns when it comes to quarterback and, and Baker Mayfield? Well, you know, I think, you know, clearly everybody wants to, to kind of um, look at Baker Mayfield and say, okay, those 10 games at the end of the 2020 season, that's the real guy. But I think if you're evaluating him honestly and you look at four years, um, he, he's certainly not on the level of a Joe Burrow. He's not on the level of some of the other AFC quarterbacks like Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert and, um, you know, you can even go down to Lamar Jackson if you want to stay in the AFC North. So I, I think the Browns will, will try to explore whatever they can do to upgrade, but there's just, these, there's just not that many of these guys out there. And the AFC seems to have every, every guy that's, um, that people want. And, and so, you know, they've already picked up his, his fifth year option. You know, they can stick with him. They can go with maybe like trying a Mitchell Trubisky and seeing if, if maybe he can give some competition or you explore a trade, maybe Russell Wilson, he doesn't seem interested in becoming coming to Cleveland, but maybe you explore that, um, and maybe you pick up a, a developmental guy like Malik Willis from Liberty in this year's draft or something like that. Um, you know, I think you have to just kind of look at everything because the Baker Mayfield we saw, whether he was hurt or not last year, is just not not good enough to get you where you want to go. And and maybe the maybe the true Baker Mayfield is the guy we saw at the end of the 2020 season, but uh, you know, I would say he's he's clearly you know, over the course of his career shown to be just a good, but not great quarterback. So I think um, they, they got to look to maybe upgrade that position or hope that somehow he makes a jump in year five. Hindsight being 2020. And I've heard a lot of people say this, is it possible the Browns caught a little lightning in the bottle that year? They didn't play the hardest schedule in the world, played a Ben Roethlisberger, who certainly wasn't at the top of his game when they won that playoff game. You don't take anything away from anybody, but mm-hmm. coming back this year, it, it seemed like other teams also adjusted to what the Browns were doing, and they didn't really have a counter. Yeah, and, and so much of what, what the Browns do offensively is based on stacking good plays together. And so you saw this year that you know those big chunk 15, 20-yard plays, and they just weren't there. And so you'd see so many drives where you know they only get one or two yards on first down, and suddenly they were stuck. And, you know, that's the thing, like you see these elite quarterbacks are just able to just, you know, almost dominate the position. And the Browns are kind of going like slowly down the field. And so I think when we, we saw the first game of the year against the Chiefs, there was an explosive offense. That was when, when Baker was, was healthy and you think, OK, maybe they had something going. But but when you, you know, you look at what happened, you know, with Odell Beckham Jr. After he gets released, he signs with the Rams, he becomes a great player for them. Um, you think maybe the problem is deeper than just their personnel. And, and maybe there's, like you said, maybe they figured out, um, you know, some of the offense that the Browns do, maybe they need to upgrade a lot of positions, but um, clearly the offense was, was the weak spot, you know, for most of the year. And, and it's, you know, it's a genuine concern about what they're going to do, you know, heading into the offseason. There's, there's a lot of decisions beyond just Baker Mayfield. So where would you put the Browns in the NFL's pecking order and in particular in the AFC North as we head into next season? Um, they just kind of seem like a, 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 you know, a team that's maybe one great quarterback away from contention. 
Um, but how do you get that? So, I mean, they're kind of like maybe slightly above middle of the pack. I think their roster is really good um, from maybe one through 30, better than most teams um, in the NFL. But um, there's a lot of question marks. And, and uh, you know, you kind of looked, and I think heading into this year, there was a sense that they had a window here of a couple years. Um, I think that's probably still true. But if you don't get the quarterback situation figured out, they're just they're just kind of a middle of the pack team. And and probably, you know, the third or fourth best team in, in the AFC North, depending on what the Steelers do at quarterback. Let's make the glass half full. What are some positive takeaways from this eight and nine season? Was there anything? <laughs> I, I think, you know, obviously watching Nick Chubb uh, play this yeah. year and then Ernest Johnson and, and, you know, Kareem Hunt when he's healthy is just a joy. Miles um, Garrett is a joy to watch. Denzel Ward is going to get paid this offseason. He had a great year. Um, you, you know, and their offensive line is really good. Um, there's a lot of pieces, you know, you look at this team and you compare it to where the Browns were five, six, seven years ago, you know, you know, those teams back then that were bad, they weren't just bad. They were boring. They, they had nothing it was, it was to, hard watch. to watch. <laughs> yeah. And now you got some guys that, that even if, you know, the game is, you know, it doesn't happen with, with a win, they're fun to watch. And, and so you have those pieces there and, and the Bengals show you like, Hey, if you catch lightning in a bottle, I mean, Joe Burrow is really good. Jamar Chase is really good, but I don't think anybody thinks that if you replayed these playoffs, we would end up with Rams, Bengals. Sometimes that's just the way the NFL is. You just got to win one game and then win the next. So um, maybe they can do some good things. You know, they, you know, obviously the, the Browns have some big decisions to make on guys like Jarvis Landry and, you know, Case Keenum is probably gone. They want to sign Jadavian Clowney, but he's going to be expensive. So there's a lot to, to kind of to take in, but um, it's certainly a, a better place than they were five, six years ago. And, and uh, you never know, maybe one trade or one good move. Um, or one bounce back year and they could be back in contention. How far do you think, I mean, they want to get off that trivia question of being one of the only four teams never to make it to the Super Bowl. Is it just a question then of, of quarterback? How far away are they? Or, or can we just get it together next year? Easy yeah, to say you predict, know, right? th- this is the biggest challenge, Dan. UK, let's say Baker Mayfield has a big game and he beats Joe Burrow in the playoffs. Then you got to beat Justin Herbert. Then you got to beat Patrick yeah. Mahomes. Then you got to beat Josh Allen and whoever the NFC is. So to put three, four games together in a row. That's the big challenge. And that's where it's going to be such a gauntlet in the AFC over the next few years. Um, and I don't know. I mean, certainly they're not as close to, to you know, getting breaking that Super Bowl drought as, as we all thought back in August. So um, I hate to be a, kind of a downer, but I think realistically looking at this, and as I'm speaking as someone who watched on the couch and just threw things at the wall all year, <laughs> Um, it's very frustrating. And I think, um, I think it's safe to say they underachieved this year. We're talking about the Super Bowl, the Browns, what's going on in the world of sports with Crane sports reporter, Joe Scalzo. Joe, before we go on, you have, you're going to be doing this again in March. Uh, what sounds like a fun program at the downtown Cleveland Marriott. What's going on that day? Yeah. Crane's uh sports forum. We're, we're hosting, um, David Gilbert from you know, Destination Cleveland and the Greater Cleveland Sports Commission and Len Kamarowski, the CEO of, of the Cavaliers and, and, um, and Rocket Mortgage Fieldhouse. You, you know, and, and obviously, we're going to talk a lot of, about Cavs and, and just the impact of, of the NBA All-Star Game, which is coming up in a week or so. Um, and just all the good things that are happening um, with, with you know, Cleveland and, and with the Cavaliers and specifically. And and uh, I think the Cavaliers, as you kind of alluded to, they've been a surprise team. They were, <laughs> they were the team. Every like the Browns that we thought the Browns were going to be this year, and I think everybody just kind of figured this would be, uh, you know, maybe a step forward year. But you know, now the Cavs are in serious contention, and so we'll talk about that and and uh, just uh, you know, kind of 
share some of the good stories and good things that happened around All-Star Weekend. So I hope everybody can come out. Yeah, we're going to talk to Len on the podcast next week. We're looking forward to that conversation to see what's going on at the All-Star Game. Man, Cleveland's kind of turned into a place to have big sporting events. Yeah, I had the MLB All-Star Game in 2019. You had the draft, obviously. And, you know, you obviously there's, there's, there's lots of college stuff, you know, whether it's, you know, the MAC tournament uh, or, you know, NCAA tournament for women. And, and uh, there's a huge boxing qualifier coming up and, and track. And so, yeah, it's just a good place. And I think, I, you know, David Gilbert always talks about this. It's a good place to have events because they want it to be a good place to have events. You know, we don't have the greatest weather. Everybody knows that. But, you know, I think if you go somewhere and you're generally welcomed and everybody wants you to have a great experience, um, that comes through. And, and so that's what, you know, obviously Destination Cleveland and the Greater Cleveland Sports Commission tries to do. And, you know, I think we're just friendly in, in Cleveland other than when we're grumbling about the Browns or the weather. <laughs> Super Bowl Sunday is the day, of course, people are going to be smashing a lot of Doritos and, and wings, but they're also going to be making wagers. How are we, what's going on in the state of Ohio? I know that Governor DeWine signed the bill, I think it was at the end of December. Mm-hmm. Uh, and with sports gambling supposed to be ready to go by January 1st, 2023, could it be here before that? And what's the holdups? How, how's this, how are things coming? Well, I think what you're seeing is a lot of places um, are getting their ducks in a row, whether, you know, the Jack Casino and, and Thistledown are, are doing things. The Cavs just announced a partnership that's going deeper with Fubo Gaming. You're, you're seeing the Hall of Fame Village. The places that are, are big, you know, casinos, racinos, sports teams, you know, obviously the Hall of Fame Village in Canton is, a, is kind of a just a campus of little things. They're getting lined up for this when it's ready. Now, when that's going to happen, it's going to take some time because you got a lot of pieces in place. It's not just, you know, three or four, you know, entities in Cleveland that are that are getting ready for this. You know, they're going to have it everywhere, even just in kiosks where you can where you can do things and on your mobile phone and stuff. So, but you know, what's interesting is they're just you're seeing entities partner with companies that have already done this in other states that are already doing this even internationally. And so I think that's going to speed up the process, but I haven't gotten the sense that it's, it's imminent in the next few weeks. And um, the one thing I will say is as the sports business reporter, I get a lot of emails from these gambling companies who want to just stress how much money Ohio is losing out on by not having the Super Bowl. <laughs> and you kind of want to say, yeah, that's true, but Ohioans are also keeping that money in their pocket because most of them are not going to eventually win <laughs> if they keep sports gambling. <laughs> Um, so there's kind of that, that double-edged sword to it, but, um, you know, I think you're seeing a lot of activity to prepare for the time when this is ready, but I haven't gotten the sense that it's, it's coming, uh, in the next month or so. I think it was on the website sports handle. They predicted something to the effect of California and Ohio don't have digital sports betting, but if they did, there'd be like $400 million wagered. That's what they claimed. And mm-hmm. some $3 million in tax revenue. Does that sound about right? I mean, I know there. Yeah, that's the figure. I think it's been thrown out four hundred million dollars, um, and, and certainly the fact that that the Bengals are in there. There's probably more gambling than they would be uh, under normal circumstances. But um, yeah, I mean, the sport, the Super Bowl is obviously not just the biggest game of the year, but it's the biggest gambling event for football, and and you can gamble on everything from the coin toss to Gatorade color or whatever you want to do. So. <laughs> um, it kind of, I think it just adds to the spectacle of it. And, and I, you know, obviously, like you said, by this time next year, when the Browns are in the Super Bowl, right. uh, Ohioans will have lots of opportunities to, to lose their money or maybe gain it, um, you know, through those, through those different uh, avenues. 
we mentioned this $400 million for the Super Bowl. Do we have any thoughts about what revenue might be generated in the state of Ohio with gambling if, it, let's say, it's in effect by next year? You, you know, the, the estimates aren't, it's not going to be a game changing amount of money. Um, you know, there's, I can't remember the exact spe- you know, specific numbers, but it's not like this boondoggle where half of the revenue is going to go to public schools or to go to infrastructure. It's just kind of a portion of it. So um, I, I think it's, it just seems like more of one of those things where, well, every other state has it. I think we need to have it rather than something that's going to generate a tremendous amount of income. And I think you need to compare it to maybe um, legalized cannabis or, or recreational marijuana. That, that's something where I think they've promised a lot of tax revenue because they're going to tax it heavily. Um, I haven't gotten that sense from, from sports gambling, although certainly they will generate some revenue. We mentioned the Racinos and, and the casinos and, and the sports teams, the Hall of Fame Village. Will there be any other major players who really want to try to get into gambling here in Ohio once it becomes legal? <laughs> um, I, I think everybody would, would like to at least have something. You know, it's kind of going to be similar set up to like the lottery where, you know, as many entities as possible. Um, in terms of having big sports books, I, I think you're going to see just, you know, the traditional you know, there's a, a, you know, I think a race, you know, in Youngstown that'll have one, you know, obviously the, the big casinos in Cleveland um, and, and, you know, across the state. But uh, the answer, I guess the question is everybody will want one, but they're going to they're going to pick places that are set up to do this well um, to probably to start out. And, and then, you know, it can grow from there. When we talk about kiosks and those kinds of things, will you be able to go into a bar and, and bet the Browns game? by punching something in, is that going to be something that patrons will be offered? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the plan is just um, to make it accessible um, to people. And again, you know, the Hall of Fame Village and um, the Cavs have both set up um, mobile gaming, so that can be an option for you. Um, and people are kind of doing this with, with fantasy football as well. And that's kind of like, you know, you've seen that um, start, of, start to creep in and there's other states nearby that you can go gamble. So. I think it's just going to be a normalized thing where, um, you know, maybe instead of, of going and playing the lottery or, or scratch offs, maybe you go and place a bet on a game and it's just that casual. So um, it's going to be pretty accessible for a lot of people to, to go to. I always laugh. I, I'm not a gambler on those kinds of sports. And I think to myself, I couldn't possibly imagine myself hoping Ohio State misses a field goal so that I cover the spread. Like I just. <laughs> Well, it's Maryland the Browns. Too. Like I hope they score. You know, don't score or whatever. It's just crazy. But I mean, that's that's what you end up with in, in this kind of stuff. Yeah, and and I be I just I think okay. Last night the Lakers and the Portland Trailblazers played. This is a random game. Lakers have LeBron and Anthony Davis. They lost to a Portland team that has traded everybody away. And you just don't know. There's no way that it makes sense. And so sometimes that works in your favor, but a lot of times you can be smart and make the right bet, and it doesn't matter because, like you said. Um, you know, something random happens, like someone misses a field goal, or sure. or you're forced to you're forced to cheer against your favorite team, which people already do, I think, with with fantasy football and stuff like that. So maybe they're used right. to it. So before we go, I have to put you on the spot. What's this final score on uh, Sunday? I, I think the Rams are better. Um, I <laughs> maybe I just I haven't bought into the Bengals yet. Maybe I'm doubting Joe Burrow, but I I think it'll be something around the lines of lines of uh, of thirty one twenty one Rams. I, I think they're just a little bit uh, farther along in their development right now. I just. What do you think, Dan? What's your prediction before we go? I I, I was going to go thirty-one twenty-eight 
uh, the Rams only because I, I really have concerns about the Bengals offensive line. I just don't know if they're going to be up to the task. That's, and I'm no expert on this. <laughs> that, that's the one oh, I'm Aaron, kind of con- concerned about. Aaron Donald is a, he's a handful. And, and like you said, they don't have a great offensive line. They don't even have a great defensive line. <laughs> I mean, it's not Prince, built from the trenches. <laughs> having watched Isaiah Prince at Ohio state who had a, propensity to jump off sides or go illegal procedure two or three times a game you're like oh man he just and he seems to struggle a lot with speed rushers which is not easy <laughs> yeah no and, and they have Von Miller and they have you know lots of lots of fun pieces Jalen Ramsey but but Joe Burrow has a way of just stepping out of trouble and avoiding yeah. it and extending a play and, and making magic happen so maybe he'll do it one more time I'll be rooting for the Bengals for sure. Joe Scalzo, thanks so much for joining us today. And we look forward to more of your writing. And of course, the forum coming up on March 15th, uh, the Cranes Forum, which people can find out about online. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Dan. Joe Scalzo is our sports reporter for Cranes Cleveland. I'm Dan Paletta. Glad you can join us for the Landscape of Cranes Cleveland podcast. We're always happy when you can join us and we'll talk again soon.